Hey, this is Mike Missanelli, and you're listening to the Feed to Embiid, the number one Sixers podcast in America. Yeah, 2-1 on his jersey, playing like he's number one. Best big in the league, and it's no debate. Who's from the haters? Point him to the exit. I guess every franchise needs its process. Every franchise and needs its own process. Coming down the lane, yeah. Watch your head, yeah. We post a every game, yeah. Get your Kodak. Once he gets you under the basket, you better just pray. Hit you with the jab step, knock down, lock from Ben. Get out the way, and one, let the fans know it. Yeah, homie, let the fans know it. Watch the trailer, the three is going in your eye. If you mess, you better get back. Cause if the bees, there won't be a putback. Keep all that trash out of the paint. Cause the bees will put it back in your face. He's a cold blooded killer, and he take no prisoners. Yeah, dump off from TJ. Call it the feed to a bee. What's going on, everybody? This is the feed to Embiid. I am your host, Austin Krell. I hope you enjoyed my episode with John Johnson last night. He's a tremendous, tremendous host from WIP, a Sixers insider, covers the team every night. Um, and, you know, he's a great guy. I really enjoyed that conversation with him. Um, and now we're on to another game tonight. The Sixers were in D.C. playing the Wizards. They took the train uh, there to, to, or at least I thought they, at least I think they took the train there. If they didn't, it was a, it was a hell of a photo shoot for Instagram, getting onto the train and then just to get off of it again. But who knows? Besides the point. In the first quarter, things were were mostly pretty good. the The shots were falling. There was a rhythm to the offense. Um, the the you know the, everyone was getting touches and B was getting his early on, Tobias was getting his, Ben was getting touches and it, it, Furcon was getting his looks, even uh, Al was getting hit was getting his opportunities. They were all cashing in and they led by as many as eleven in that first quarter, and then the 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 Wizards quickly came back and, and they and they sort of went on a little mini run to keep things close. Overall, the Sixers were a little bit lazy in that first quarter, um, but good overall. Although it, you know, that, that laziness definitely foreshadowed for the rest of the game how things would be. But overall, the concepts were there. The right strategy were there. Ben was on Beal. He was constantly denying him the ball. It was really just kind of deep catch and shoots for Beal if he, if 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 the opportunities were there. Um, the, they had the overall correct coverages. I thought a lot of man to man. No real switching early on. It was just win your individual matchup. Just the guy that you're on, win the matchup with him. And it worked. And then in the second quarter, things sort of kind of took a turn for the worst. The Wizards took control fairly quickly thanks to Davis Bertans, who I believe the Sixers have had their eye on for quite some time. He's the kind of guy who you could theoretically buy low on. He could give you spacing on that perimeter. He's a tremendous, tremendous shooter, very pure stroke. He can stretch the floor and play power forward. And the Wizards are not really looking to make a much of make much noise in the playoffs this year. So they don't really need to have that asset. You could theoretically give up the likes of a Zaire Smith, a Jonah Bolden, and if necessary, a pick 
to get that final piece to fit your team and, and round this thing out. I know that sounds like a lot to give up for a role player, but you take the you look at the fact that they don't really have a, a role for those guys, and it's better to get something that you can use this season to make a push than it is to just let two guys sit there who you're not getting anything of value out of on the court. So Bertans got very, very hot. He was 6 of 6 from 3 in that first half, and it, it was just a, a, it was a show. He didn't need much space. It was just catch and shoot, curls, deep. It was just an unconscious performance from him. And Rui Hachimura, the, the tremendous rookie out of Gonzaga, was also very good in that first half. And the, the importance of, of fate spacing and stretching the floor was really on full display in that second quarter because once Bertans got hot, the Sixers essentially had to deny him the ball because he's not really a shot creator by any stretch. So it's sort of all you got to do is just make sure he doesn't catch it cleanly and you're, you've kind of eliminated the threat that he is. And what that does is it brings your, cover, your, your, your man out of the lane and it's one less body to have to figure out how to maneuver around when you drive. As a result, things open up and it creates paths for, for guys to cut, guys to attack. And once you have that happening, if you move the ball and you have good court vision, it can break down the entire defense because if you swing to a cutter and the defense collapses to protect the rim and then that leaves a shooter open, they kick to the shooter, the other guy closes out the shooter, then he kicks another shooter, you have a wide open shot. And there's no one near you and you have all the time in the world to knock it down. And that's how spacing can effectively transform the way a team's offense plays. It doesn't sound like a ton. A couple of speed, a couple of feet extra doesn't sound like a ton, but it actually changes a lot of things on the court from a schematic standpoint. And that was on full display in this game tonight. The Sixers fall down by ten. They led by as many as eleven in that first quarter. They fall down by ten to end the to end the half. Going to the third quarter, it was just a whole lot of the same. Wizards go up twelve to fourteen. Sixers cut it to eight. 14-8. 14-8. Bradley Beal got hot very fast in that in that third quarter, did a, a lot of good things. And then simultaneously, Bertans and Hachimura cooled off. Um, Hachimura's scoring wasn't as prolific. Bertans was essentially a non-factor in the third quarter, although he did he did make one three overall in that after ha- after halftime, it was really just about Bradley Beal opening things up for the for the Wizards a little bit and putting some pressure on the Sixers. Sixers were down ten going into the fourth quarter, and they it, they they pushed it. They pushed the ball late. They they got things moving. They were getting stops finally on the defensive end. They were neutralizing Bradley Beal. He struggled in the fourth quarter tremendously. In the end, it was turnovers galore. The Sixers committed over 20 turnovers tonight. Joel Embiid had eight of them. Ben Simmons had seven of them. And that spelled disaster for the Sixers. They couldn't capitalize on extra possessions, or they couldn't capitalize on possessions at their stops down the stretch. And it really, really, really hurt the Sixers' ability to to go on a consistent run and put pressure on the Wizards and change momentum. And it, it was the difference in this game. That was really the crux of things. The Sixers fell tonight 
119 to 113. They the, their defense was, was questionable really most of the night. Was not good by you know any means. They 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 all intents and purposes did not really care about this game. The players did not care about this game. They didn't give their best effort. They weren't locked in defensively, and a lot of guys who normally don't hurt you, like Ishmit. And Ishmith is 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 a, is a very he's transformed himself to a very nice role player. He's not anything more than than really, you know, a guy who's fast can can pass the ball very well, can score if needed. But he's not this this sort of dynamic Spencer Dinwiddie type that he looked like tonight. Um, and it's a bunch of you know it's a bunch of guys like that who who hurt the Sixers tonight when they needed stops the most, and. I, I I kind of felt like um, the the strategy on the defensive side was really quite good. I thought for the most part, and with that, with 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 that, I mean you have, you often have to operate under the ideal that you won't let. The best player beat you. Make anyone else but the the star beat you. And the Sixers operated under that. Bradley Beal was neutralized. He had eight points in the first half on uh, three of eight from the field. Bertans and Hachimura had 22 and 19, or 22 and 16 in that first half. The non-stars beat you. That's all. Take your hat off. They did a good job. They came out. They made shots. And you were focused on limiting the guy who's averaging twenty nine points a game, and it and you got bit in the ass. It, it it it's a it's a it's a scheme and a plan that typically works out in your favor when you focus so heavily on the star that you sort of kind of let the other guys fall on the periphery. You make anybody else but the star beat you, and that has, that happened in the first half, and it hurt the Sixers for once. I can't be mad about that. I'm not mad about Brown about about that. That's the right scheme to play by. Because Bradley Beal is the centerpiece of that team, and you're gonna you're gonna let other guys make shots, but you're not gonna let him get hot. Um, in the second half, it was a different story. It was okay. We adjusted at halftime. We're gonna play Hachimura and Bertans differently. They completely isolated Bertans off the ball. Uh, Hachimura, they were more physical with. Um, although he made some impressive plays in the second half, but. They focused a little more on those two, and then Beal got hot. So, large part, in large part, the Sixers did. A, a, I thought. I thought. I thought Brett Brown did a really good job with the scheme for this game. It was exactly what you're supposed to do. It was don't let the best player get hot. Don't let the best player beat you. Tobias Harris was sensational tonight. He had 33 points. Really good game for him. I think he was 14 of 28, 14 of 29 from the field. And he did a really good job of just being a consistent bucket for the Sixers, getting them shots when they needed them, operating the pick and roll. Also, kudos to Brett Brown for recognizing the late run in the fourth quarter and opting to move into a more of a pick and roll based offense with a shot creator and ball handler in Tobias Harris. That's not something that he's done a lot this season. Ben Simmons faded into the perimeter. And you know, even found himself sort of in that in that sort of a, a pseudo dunk, dunker spot, but 
kudos to Brett Brown for acknowledging an adjustment was needed and making the adjustment to the offense. It was it was it was Ben deferring to Tobias, Tobias making the decision out of the pick and roll, and it helped the Sixers run a little bit. I also think think the Sixers made it. A, I, think, I thought Brett Brown made a good decision in letting Trey Burke play some minutes in the fourth quarter because Chris Chioza was killing the Sixers. Smaller, speedy guard, um, picking pockets, very quiet footsteps. The way to match that is to bring one of your own off the bench. Trey Burke didn't play a lot of minutes, but my but I, I postulated that if Trey Burke or if the Sixers won that game, Trey Burke would be would would, would play a role in that in in that run back into it. And I was wrong. They lost the game, so you know that my point was negated. But I thought that it was a good sort of checkmate kind of move by Brett Brown. Subtle, you don't think about it, but it, it was a good move by the coach. Um, you desperately need Josh Richardson back, someone who can operate in the pick and roll, uh, create offense on the perimeter, create it in the mid-range, get to the rim, can slash, uh, and is a, is, a, is a tremendous, tremendous perimeter defender. You're missing him dearly. You've gotten away with the last couple games because you won. They're winners of eight of their last ten. But you need Josh back. Hopefully they can get him back for the back-to-back this weekend at home. Cleveland on Saturday, Toronto on Sunday. Um, but they got to get him back and him healthy. I know the long-term health is the priority here. We're not trying to win championships in November which, or December. We're trying to win them in May, June. But... The more you drop games early in, in, the, in the early going, those are games back in the standings you're losing, and that makes a difference down the stretch. This loss is not on Brett Brown. It's not. I made it a point to give him his his, his compliments tonight. I'm, I'm a known Brett Brown supporter, although this year I've been better at acknowledging his shortcomings and his, and his mistakes. This is not on Brett Brown tonight. 15 turnovers is not on Brett Brown tonight from, from two players. I get it. The turnovers have been an issue every year. I know. That's the way that they play with their pace. But ask you ever ask yourself for the, for the people out there that are that think they're that they're, they're, they're these you know these basketball wizards and, and that they you know they, they know the game backwards and forwards. Why is it that they have to play with pace? Why is it that they have to play with such fast-paced um, horses? It's because. Your bet, your point guard does not have a half court offensive game. Ben Simmons is in, is largely ineffective in the half court. Although to his credit, over the last two weeks, he's been much better with being aggressive and attacking the rim, putting his head down and going and getting to the cup. Finishing hasn't been perfect, but he's gotten better at getting to the rim and at least getting to the line of late. But Make no mistake, for the most part, he hasn't gotten better over the course of three seasons when it comes to the half-court offense and shooting jump shots. So the only way to render Ben Simmons effective and dangerous now that teams know how to play him on the defensive side of the basketball is to get him running in transition and finding guys using his court vision. That involves playing a fast-paced brand of basketball, and that's why they have turnovers. So it all comes back to the players. The players are the ones who play the game. 
coach sits on the sideline and barks instructions and then sits back while the players get credit for all the successes and and and, and then he and then the coach takes all the crap for all the failures. That's how it is for, for, for most teams. But Brett Brown cannot babysit the players. He has a family. He ha- he he works as hard as anybody does for 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 you know probably eight, nine, ten months of the year. He has a couple he has some time some downtime when the season comes to an end. And then he spends that time with his family because he's away from them for the majority of the year. And he's focused on his job the majority of the year. He is not a babysitter. His job is not to babysit the players. They are men. They are being paid hundreds of millions of dollars. They're playing a child's game for a living. They don't have to worry about homework or pay or, 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 or you know pink slips or paying for, 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 for health care or getting this or getting that or you know paying rent. They just simply get to play basketball, take care of their bodies, and relax, and, and, and sign max contracts, and go to autograph signings, and, and, and you know, basically do whatever they want to do within law. Is it too much to ask the players to get better in their offseason? Is it too much to ask for the players to make improvements on their game and to develop you have so much time to relax during the offseason. You have so much time to just lay in bed during the season when you're not at practice, when you're not in games. You sit on a bus or a plane for hours when you travel. You get to watch movies, do whatever the hell you want to do. This is about the players not improving in the offseason. And you can, you know, I know the boomers are going to say, well, whose fault is it they don't improve? The coach is not a babysitter. They have very little time to develop their players in the course of the regular season. It is in the it is incumbent upon the players in the offseason to surround themselves with the right people and focus on getting better themselves. As much shit as I talk about Jimmy Butler, as much as the Heat fans hate me and whatever, I I couldn't care less because I know that 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 when all when 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 it comes to when push comes to shove, I will be right about that. In the end, I have to commend Jimmy Butler for that legendary summer when he was when he was in the gym 26 hours a day because he surrounded himself with the right people and focused on improving his craft. And he went from a a a, a seven points a game scorer to a 20 points a game scorer in one summer. Went from a role player to an all star in one summer, and he's been a star-level player ever since. If you put in the time in the offseason and you do your job, do what you're paid to do, you will be the player that you want to be when all is said and done. And if Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid don't want it that badly, okay. Then what are, what are we doing here? Why are you in the NBA? To make your, Of course, to make your money, of course. I'm not that naive. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not that stupid. But then spare us with the whole, I found my love for the game again. I just want to win. You know, I I do it for the fans, yada, yada, yada. Stop wasting our time then. 
let us know so we can get back to rebuilding this thing for players who want to be there. Want to win, I should say. They are 23 and 24, 25, 20, whatever, however the hell old Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid are. They are men. They're not kids anymore. They're men. If I have to go to work every day and be responsible for my own self and work on and improve things in my own life, and I have to be and, I, and keep in mind, I'm not held accountable for my or no, my boss isn't held accountable for my improvements. My boss is my 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 mom and dad aren't held accountable for my actions. I am because I am an adult, and that's how it is for me. That's how it is for the for the men in the NBA. That's why Brett Brown is not responsible for making sure that, that, that Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons are improved. It is, on, it is on them to come back when the summer is over and have added things to their games, improved upon things. And the turnovers are an issue that we've seen from season to season. And that's a result of pace, is a result of Ben Simmons not having developed his game. And the same falls on Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid purports to have lost 25 pounds over the course of the summer. That was probably just weight that he had gained back when he was down for 14 games in the latter half of last season. He still turns the ball over in the post. He still isn't mentally strong enough to not get perturbed by bigger centers. He's still he's still neutralized by Rudy Gobert and Marcus Sol. It isn't all about Ben Simmons improving. Joel Embiid has to take care of his body. He has to work on his handling of the ball. Has to work on taking care of the basketball. He has to work on his mental toughness. He can't have games where he just checks out and 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 has zero points where he. You know, has 20 points, 20 rebounds, but turns the ball over eight times. As great as Embiid was tonight, and he was damn great. He was dominant. 20 points, 20 rebounds is no joke. It's certainly a start-level performance. But it doesn't matter if you don't win the game. And they didn't win the game in large part because he had eight turnovers. Ben Simmons is a star-level talent. He is an A-plus across the board except for the jump shot. I don't even care about the jump shot as much as I care about him being aggressive and becoming a light version of of uh, of, of Giannis Antetokounmpo. And I don't mean like you know any kind of any kind of you know insensitive or derogatory remark about light. I mean like L I T E, like the light version of something else, the 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 the, the poor man's version of something else. If he could just be that. This season or next season, this team has a chance. But what he is right now is just, in large part, mostly, a little better than a, than, than a prime uh, Draymond Green. I mean, look at the stats. 14 points a game, 8 rebounds, 7 assists, whatever the hell it is. That's not good enough. Stop jumping to make passes. Stop getting caught in the middle of the lane and, and traveling. Stop stepping on the out-of-bounds line. Take 
care of the basketball, be more aware. You are so much better than that. You have a potential that's way, way, way higher than what it, than what you're at right now. If you do, if you can do, just become more aggressive and develop a semblance of a workable jump shot that you can use on a game to game basis, this team can go anywhere, and they can do it with this coach too. And how ironic it is that Ben Simmons grew up around Brett Brown. Brett Brown was like a family friend from the time Ben was born. Joel Embiid thinks of Brett Brown as, a, as an adoptive father of, of the U.S. And yet, their laziness and their arrogance in the offseason is going to cost Brett Brown his job after this season because they don't make any improvements. And it hurts the way that they have to play the game. A quick word from our sponsor. Do you like the shotgun beer? Do you want to increase your shotgun time at parties? Check out my boys at the King Cobra. King Cobra is a shotgunning tool that makes the perfect shotgunning hole in under a second. It is also a tab puller, a vent puncher, and all fits on a keychain. For more information about the King Cobra, check them out on Instagram at the King Cobra Co. That's the King Cobra Co. And Cobra is spelled with a K. For a 10% discount on all products, enter the code Trust the Cobra 10, all caps, all one word. Pick up yours today. The feed to Embiid and its name are protected by U.S. copyright laws. Reproduction and distribution without my permission is prohibited. Copyright the feed to Embiid 2019. The Sixers drop one in Washington, 119 to 113. We'll be back in action at the Wells Fargo Center on Saturday. They'll also be back in action on Sunday. It's a a back-to-back. They have Cleveland on Saturday. And they have Toronto on Sunday. As always, thank you for listening to the Feet to Embiid. We'll be back following, hopefully following Saturday's game against the Cavaliers. I am Austin Krell. Have a tremendous night, everybody.